Hello and welcome to another episode of Hit or Miss, a baseball podcast hosted by me, Alexandra Aguila, and today we are recording episode number 25, a regular baseball episode, and this is the first episode of the season. I am so excited to kind of get back into that season routine and have more episodes out a week, so there's going to be three episodes out a week. We're going to start off on Monday and Thursdays with MLB episodes, and then we're going to have a Cubs episode in the middle of the week. Still trying to figure out when's the best time possible to get that episode out, but definitely that's going to be the schedule from now on since we have more to talk about. The season's going on. We have games basically almost every single day until All-Star break, and things are looking good. I'm super excited to talk about the things that we saw on opening day and opening weekend um, last weekend since it's now Monday. Um, but yeah, we have a tons of talk to talk about. We're going to bring back the hit or miss segment. Things are going to be great and let's get into it. All right. So the first thing I want to talk about is just what was the best out of opening day slash weekend, what we saw, what was really cool to see. So baseball officially started on Thursday, March 30th, and we had a couple of games. It was pretty exciting because most of the games were like division matchups. We had the Brewers and the Cubs, Orioles and the Red Sox, the Marlins and the Mets played, and then Pirates and Reds, and a couple more teams after that. But super cool to see those division matchups. I always think those are fun just because um, win or lose, it definitely depicts on your um, standings there the day after. So looking pretty good. I enjoy those, especially since I'm a Cubs fan. Always facing the Brewers is very fun to watch. But anyways, yeah, we had a lot of those this season and um, they were pretty good for the most part. So excited to talk about those and the attendance was kind of racking up this season on opening day a lot of people out to see their favorite teams um I definitely did attend opening weekend in a ballpark not in Chicago but I did go to opening um weekend that opening series and Cincinnati had a lot of fans for the first time in a while I feel like Cincinnati has been kind of quiet yeah they don't have the best baseball team in most recent years but I mean they have Joey Votto they have Jonathan India to be excited about and I mean opening day they were excited about Hunter Green I mean there was more than 100,000 people in the streets of Cincinnati cheering for the Reds that's crazy they've never had that happen before and to see that in this day and age is pretty cool especially for a team who last year pretty much finished close to last place so super cool to see that but obviously Hunter Green is a guy that you want to cheer for he has phenomenal pitches and with in just out of world speed I mean how can you pitch every single pitch over 101 in two innings that's insane insane stuff um the command is crazy so definitely the Reds had something to cheer for on opening day. But yeah, I think fans all around baseball were super excited to get into the season. And I think the kind of rush from the WBC was kind of brought on to this opening day, which definitely always helps. But yeah, a lot of fans are excited to see more action now that we have the new rules implemented, which we will talk about later, but they're definitely um, adding some positives in there as well as maybe some, not negatives, but difficulties, I would say. So that's definitely something that's been impacting the game as we've seen early on. And just 
People just love going to the ballpark, especially now shorter games, more action. Like I said, with new rules, pitch clock, the games are a lot shorter. And this year, it's kind of like crazy to see. So now the average over the last three, four days, the average game time has been two hours and 45 minutes. That's a crazy drop from last year at being three hours and 11 minutes. That's insane. So just having that time difference, yeah, you can argue like some people don't like it because I'm, you know, before I paid the same amount and I was getting a longer game and now I'm paying, you know, uh, whatever is it like, I want to say around like a $50 ticket and I'm getting only like a two hour, 45 minute game and getting ripped off, whatever. You can argue that. And at some point, you know, I do see that. But at the end of the day, I feel like I would rather have two hours and 45 minutes of baseball knowing that I get hit after hit, amazing outfield plays, amazing infield plays, than sitting there for three hours, literally like spending more time watching the pitcher in his windup or watching the pitcher just stand on the mound and the ball is not in play. I think that is definitely a trade I'm willing to make and a lot of baseball fans are willing to make too. So some mixed emotions about that but overall I feel like the faster games is doing its job which was keep people entertained and bring more fans to baseball that's definitely going to help if the games are a lot shorter and there's a lot more to watch. So it's doing its job in essence. Um, But yeah, so that's kind of like the little overall surface level news going on around opening day. Moving on to a little bit more about, I would like to say, I guess getting into games and getting into players. We're going to start with the man, the myth, the legend, Aaron Judge, who is already hitting home runs because that is what he does. He hit his first home run of the 2023 season in his first at bat only Aaron Judge only Aaron Judge a 92.8 mile per hour sinker thrown by the Logan Webb so this is not like thrown by a rookie pitcher um Logan Webb who definitely has some credentials for the San Francisco Giants 92.8 mile per hour sinker and it's nasty too he drove it 422 feet out of the field. Only Aaron Judge. Of course, of course. So he's definitely on a great stride for hitting his mark. Um, probably what he did last year, hopefully even more. But honestly, won't be a surprise if he surpasses it and beats his own Yankee record. But on top of that, he also homered in the series finale two days after his first home run off of an 87 mile per hour slider by Stripling also against the Giants. He hits homers. That is what he does. Insane. You know, it was actually really funny. So I attended game two of the series. That's the only game Aaron Judge didn't hit a home run. Of course, of course, but can't have it all. I did get a Stanton home run and a Josh Donaldson home run. That's rare. So super happy about those. We did lose. Yankees did lose, but ultimately Aaron Judge, I mean, come on. Like I said, he's already on a steady start for hitting his accomplishment that he did last year, which was 62 home runs in a single season, we all know, and that's the most by any Yankee, so could he beat it? I wouldn't be surprised. I do not have my doubts, but anyways, just really wanted to quickly touch on Aaron Judge, who is already having a phenomenal power-hitting season. Maybe an overreaction, because that's what we do. All we do, all baseball fans do, is overreact 
after day one of opening day. That's what we're known for. And you know what? I love it. I love it. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about some MLB debuts. So this season, we had a lot of debuts, not only from prospects, but as well as guys from out of the country. So something really cool that MLB did was that all rookie players making their MLB debuts were wearing a commemorative patch that said debut on it on their jersey so you know you know it was their debut and they only wore it for the debut game and then later it got to be like authenticated and then put in like a special case and everything for them to have it forever but how cool is that just to like experience that kind of like a little token of appreciation or just something to add on to that amazing day and the amazing feeling of getting your MLB debut so that's pretty cool um but yeah so a lot of those players soon to be stars making their major league debuts this season a few of them Anthony Volpe you can't get enough of him Kodai Senga Jordan Walker Miguel Vargas was a surprise to me he did play with the Dodgers last year but this is his first season getting the start on opening day really excited about him definitely a guy to talk about later but let's talk about who we're talking about right now who everybody's talking about right now Anthony Volpe who is a 21 year old shortstop for the New York Yankees officially the starter officially getting his Derek Jeter moment as he's compared to him a lot um he's crazy (laughs) <laughs> it mind blows me what this guy, what this kid can do. He's not even he's a kid. He's literally a kid, 21 years old. He is starting for the New York Yankees. He's only played 22 games in AAA. 22 games in AAA. He's barely, rarely, rarely had a minor league experience compared to some other guys, you know, who kind of racket up the system. But he's just a tremendous player. He was ranked number one in the Yankees prospect system, and then number five in MLB in Major League Baseballs. So around everybody, he was number five. Crazy. Crazy. I mean, honestly, I am super excited to see what the 2023 season has in store for Anthony Volpe. He's just a phenomenal player, was a phenomenal player in the minor leagues the short time that he was there. Spring training, he really showed what he can do and what he has to offer and I'm super excited for him to get the start this season as he is the starting shortstop for the New York Yankees. Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, IKF, who was previously the shortstop, I don't even know what's going on with him to be honest right now. He's getting tossed around, moved around, he's getting tried out in the outfield for some reason, Um, played center field, I think it was yesterday on Sunday's game, and did okay I guess I don't know still trying to work out the logistics there of what the Yankees have planned for him will he be a trade piece who knows but definitely not definitely but as of now he's not in the shortstop position so Anthony Volpe takes his place and super excited like I said he had a lot to prove in spring training coming up being a non-roster invite I'm pretty sure pretty good feeling and it's definitely a lot of pressure he slashed 314 0.417.647 with a 1.064 ops in 17 games how many major league hitters could do that honestly probably not a lot and that's a guy with a ton of experience a vet guy it's just so crazy to me how this guy can construct 
all of the like that power and all of that like mechanics and everything he does everything and just puts it into a small sample size incredible incredible so far he's had nine at bats he's only had two hits but it's expected you know he just got his start he's nervous he has an impressive range at shortstop and that's probably one of the reasons that pushed him and helped him to be in this Yankee starting lineup but just the I guess the athleticism that he has is short and then the ability on the bases is really something that I think kind of was like the opposite of the deal breaker like the deal maker in a sense like kind of told the Yankees yeah this guy is going to be on our opening day roster he flies around the bases especially now that um, the bases are a lot bigger that's going to be happening a lot more so I do expect him to be stealing a lot of bases kind of what he's known for um, but yeah I mean I think just the range that he has at short at short so far it's been a little bit shaky he's a little nervous. It's fine. Like I said, he's only a kid and ultimately he's going to get comfortable in that position with the games played. But for now, I'm super excited to see what he has in store. Like I said, he gets compared to Derek Jeter a lot. And I think you definitely do see that in a guy who is getting called up on the opening day roster, being a 21 year old, only having 22 games in AAA. So I do see the comparison, but I'm really excited what to see what Anthony Volpe can create for himself and kind of um, start his own legacy with that. So super excited to see that. Another guy I want to touch on is Kodai Senga, who actually was not a prospect in the Major League Baseball system, but he came from Japan and he is now currently on the Mets. The Mets signed him. He's a starting right-handed pitcher crazy crazy stuff crazy mechanics from this guy the thing that he's most known for though is his ghost fork pitch and this is a pitch it's basically I want to say it's like a screwball and it's definitely a pitch that I'm pretty sure he's the only one in major league baseball who can throw it like this and I think the screwball has been lost for a lot of years I feel like a lot of pitchers don't really mess with any of those kind of pitches anymore just because I don't know it's not your classic curve slider fastball it's more of like a it's like the screwball knuckleball those don't get thrown anymore but he definitely brings it back and he knows how to throw it it's averaging 84.6 miles per hour that ghost fork pitch and let me tell you with a 47.1 percent put away I think it's pretty good he ended his debut he pitched five innings with eight strikeouts that's really good for a guy who's his first time pitching against U.S. baseball players against the major league level. Um, he walked three and gave up three hits, but for the most part, I think he did great. I mean, definitely nervous. I was watching the game, actually, and top of the first inning, because they were playing the Marlins and they were the away team, he was pacing back and forth in the dugout. I mean, literally, like, he was trying not to run. Obviously, you don't want to you know, exhaust yourself, but speed walking from end to end of the dugout just trying to like get out there those nerves at the same moment but like being jittery he was jumping up and down he could not sit still honestly I don't blame him in that situation of course you can't stay still I mean this is like the big one of the biggest moments of your life and you're always going to remember this so I think at first he was a little shaky he gave up a few hits and those three walks and three hits pretty much came all from the first inning um, but he started to get the hang of it. He started to get into a routine. I mean, he went off 
and it was crazy and the batters were reacting like what the heck is this guy? how is this guy doing what he's doing um pitcher and batters were flailing their bats around lost their bats i mean i honestly expect to see a lot more good stuff from kodai senga and i'm super excited to see how he fits into this mets rotation which is already pretty insane i mean justin verlander um, max scherzer and who there's one there's one guy chris bassett who are just tremendous athletes in themselves and now getting added kodai senga i mean what really more could you ask for so i think perfect fit and i'm super excited to see how he can kind of adapt to this major league setting um so yeah that's really what i got to say about the debut guys um speaking a little bit on miguel vargas i was just like i said i was kind of surprised um him getting the start he is a really good player but we saw in spring training that he did have a kind of injury and i think it was it was something one of his fingers either the thumb or the pinky but it was like it was kind of odd because he was one of the only players who i think has ever done this before but he was put in the lineup, but he couldn't swing the bat. So he was basically just there to stand and take pitches. Watch the ball, kind of a little bit of that eye training kind of stuff, and kind of just watch the pitches go by, kind of cross your fingers and hope that the pitcher's command wasn't that good and he would be able to walk, but he never really swung. And I say never really, but he never did swing. So obviously the strikeouts were kind of high, but at the same time, it was kind of cool to see that for the most part, he walked a lot, which I think is very surprising when a guy doesn't hit or I mean, doesn't even swing. So just something I wanted to mention, but yeah, I think he, when healthy, could be a really good player and I'm really excited to see what the season has in store for him and I know that he's still maybe not swinging I don't think so for like 100% fully yet but um I do know that he had a tremendous career in the minor leagues so super excited about him but yeah so like I said those are just a little bit of the debut guys who are kind of making names for themselves this season moving on let's talk about the new rules how pitchers are adjusting how batters are adjusting how everyone is adjusting in essence so as we know i've said this multiple times about the new rules and i'm pretty sure your favorite broadcaster has said multiple things about the new rules but we're just going to talk about how players have been reacting so far so there's been a lot more base steal that's for sure especially with the bigger bases um a lot of players are taking advantage of it especially the faster players getting a bigger lead um so forth and then it also does have its perk with a lot of the players who can't run as well we're talking Vogelback. we're talking rowdy telez who are kind of maybe getting that opportunity to steal a base just because of how big the bases are a lot closer proximity things like that so that's pretty interesting to see and pretty cool to see keeps it interesting but then um at the same time another thing with the base stealing and all there are disengagements which i think has definitely played a big role in this whole game so far which is talking about like the pitcher can only throw to first base or whichever base two times and like two times 
missing and then if he misses a third time the runner automatically goes to the next base so it's kind of like it, it puts it in the back of the batter's mind that okay you know maybe I don't have to be super aggressive and steal if he keeps throwing over here to first so kind of puts that into perspective another thing uh the pitch clock definitely an adjustment as automatic strikes and balls are getting called left and right uh definitely something to get adjusted to and it's kind of confusing because like you read all these articles or you read all these tweets and they're like saying different things about the pitch clock like regarding rules and regarding the logistics of it but then you go to a game and you're like wait what because so far I've been to a couple spring training games and then I've been so far I've been to a one regular season game recently and I always look at the pitch clock and I don't think it's ever synced with what the umpire is like doing because like I know that like you have until the eight second mark to get into the box or the pitcher has until like the three second mark to begin his wind up or the five second whatever it is I know that there's specific timestamps that you have to be doing something whether you're the batter or the pitcher but I'm looking at the pitch clock and I'm looking at what's going on in the field and something isn't adding up. And I feel like a lot of the times when um, something happens and there's a violation, whether the pitcher took too long or the batter was just not in the box at um, or fast enough at the right time, it never like adds up. Like it, for example, when, I forgot exactly what situation it was, but if we're just going to put out a a pitcher out there if Garrett Cole was starting his windup oh let's do Clayton Kershaw because he's a guy who definitely has a a longer per se windup to throwing his pitches if he's starting his windup at two seconds right or even at one second and he makes the pitch across and there's no violation but it definitely took more than one second for that pitch to come out for that ball to come out of his hand like, I, I'm confused, and I know that, like, the umpires don't necessarily keep eye on the clock itself at the games. They have, like, some sort of, like, device on them that buzzes if the time timer has run off. So, I think there may be, like, a little bit of, like, a, like a situation or a miscommunication between you know, what the umpires are, like, who's managing that game clock, and then who's managing the the stadium game clock, and even on the broadcast, because you, like, you always see a violation, oh, he's out of time, but, like, for what, because I didn't, like, on the clock that I'm seeing, he still had time, or there was no time, so I don't know, I feel like that's just really confusing, and I feel like we all need a, like, to be retaught what is going on but anyways just want to talk about that for a couple of seconds um let's talk about how there have been quite a lot of discussions about quick pitching now kind of going back to that pitch clock by pitchers I mean not really a big deal you're almost forced to at this point especially the guys who have a little bit longer of a um wind up per se but I don't know. I feel like that's just something that trying to get like another opinion into that matter. Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly, personally, the pitch clock 
it does have its like kinks and it does sometimes doesn't work and whatever but ultimately I think it's making the game go faster and it's kind of allowing a more steady pace of the game which is something baseball desperately needed so super excited about that but I do think it just sometimes doesn't work out and sometimes it does have its disadvantages especially to pitchers um, who have a longer routine Marcus Stroman being one of them who really focuses on his breathing and the way that he prepares himself before each pitch he doesn't have time for that anymore so obviously that messes definitely with the pitcher you've been doing this certain routine for your whole career and now all of a sudden you know mid prime you're getting told that you can't do it anymore it's definitely a hard adjustment so um, kind of getting into those new routines is going to be hard and has been hard but um I think guys can ultimately pull it out but yeah honestly with that I mean no shift I think it's been great I mean, players could move around, but you got to stay on the dirt if you're an infielder. And then Sam goes for outfielders. You got to stay on the grass. But I think it's great because I think there's more hits, especially bloopers out there. But that's good for baseball. You want to see the action. You want to see the line drives down the middle, things like that. So it's been pretty exciting. And I think overall it's been working. Batters are now hitting um, 301 on balls in play, which is definitely a step up from last season's 292. Um, not a huge margin there, but definitely something that catches the eye. But yeah, it's just, like I said, it's going to be a big adjustment for everyone. There's been 33 violations in the past 35 games. So not everyone is adjusting as probably many supposed, but ultimately I think players will start getting the hang of it and then um, things will kind of be going back to normal, as normal as they get. But yeah, so that's really what I wanted to talk about. Um, the games were great, I think. I think so far the season has been really good, um, especially the series, especially the games which have been played by kind of more of those underdog teams, talking about the Orioles, the Marlins, who I think definitely um struggled last season but have kind of taken a step up and I'm kind of excited to see what kind of those underdog teams underdog teams have in store for them this season and then kind of seeing everybody's every team's um future as everybody plays everybody this year so definitely has something to do with um the way that teams are going to go on from here on out but yeah so that's really what I wanted to talk about um, baseball stat-wise in this episode. Moving on to kind of a little bit of a different segment. I want to talk about my opening day experience, which really was an opening day. It was the second game of the season, but technically opening weekend and so forth. Um, so yeah, I got the opportunity to go to New York for opening weekend, which was so fun. I was so excited. I attended game two of the Yankees and Giants series, and that was my first Yankees game on Saturday, and I was pumped. I took the subway, um, got off at Yankee Stadium. Love that because literally beautiful, beautiful view of the stadium right when you get off of the train, so props to New York for doing that, but tons and tons of people love seeing everybody in their Yankees gear on the train, something really cool to see, and then literally you don't have to walk so far 
to get to the stadium. I did get there, like, I want to say three hours before game time, just so I can kind of experience the atmosphere, um, go inside of the team store, things like that, do stuff random. And I also wanted to see the John Boy Media billboard. So I am a very big John Boy Media fan, following them for a while, especially talking baseball, talking Yanks, everything of that sort, from geo-guessers to watching them watch someone out of their window for 20 minutes. I watch it all. The office vlogs, love. So I'm definitely a big fan and I really wanted to see their billboard and I got to see it. I almost cried. It was I was a little teary-eyed. It was pretty cool to see, but yeah, props to them for doing what they do and doing a fantastic job at it. But yeah, so that was something I definitely wanted to check out. But getting into the stadium was pretty cool because we went into the team store prior and once you got in the team store, you basically couldn't leave. You had to stay in that surrounding area because they already scanned your ticket. So we waited kind of outside by the Hard Rock Cafe and it was a beautiful day. It was supposed to rain on Saturday, but um, the rain ended up holding out. It was like 70 degrees wonderful day for a baseball game so um yeah so then we entered the stadium through a different way which was pretty cool and then we walked around and the first thing I immediately wanted to do was get in line for the Aaron Judge 99 burger I've seen it everywhere on my social media and I needed to get one and they were only selling quote-unquote 99 because obviously you know his number we know that so I, that was definitely something that I really wanted to do and kind of the reason why I got there early as well. And I'm running around the stadium. I'm asking everybody, do you know where I can go to get this? Do you know where I can go to get that? And then literally nobody knew, none of the vendors knew. So I was like, okay, well, I don't know where I'm going. I've never been in the stadium before. So I literally think I ran around the stadium two times to try to find this place where they were making and selling the burgers, ultimately found it. And the line was so long. And I was like, oh my god, I don't think I'm going to get it. We stood in line for about, I want to say like an hour. And they have like, um, kind of like a little, I don't know what a count, like a, like a counter, I think. And when somebody orders, you know, they type in the number so that you can see how many they've made so far up until they get to 99. So when I tell you I was stressed in that line that I wasn't going to get one and it kept going and going, I was like 10 people out and we were at 92. I was like, you know what? I, I, cause there was no limit on how many you could get per person. So, I mean, if there's like a party of five in front of you, I mean, and everybody gets one, there you go. That's already five burgers done. So, I was stressing and I was like, I'm not going to get this. I just waited an hour in this long line. Um, But ultimately to find out, actually, it was kind of funny because the people in front of me got burger number 99. And I was like, are you kidding me? And there were Giants fans too. (laughs) That was the funniest part. But um, I was like freaking out. I was like, great, I'm not going to get this burger. Only to find out they're actually making 199 burgers now due to high demand. But I got one and I kept the flag actually because, I mean, I stood in line for one hour. I needed a little piece to take home with me. So the burger itself was delicious. I think it was great. 
um definitely worth the wait I believe but yeah so that was like a whole experience in itself we made it down to our seats we were sitting in section 113 I believe along the first baseline great seats by the way I think they were amazing I like how I could see really the whole stadium our original seats were actually in the bleachers but we had a miscommunication thing with StubHub ultimately got an upgrade so ended up sitting in section 113 and I think it was good I kind of do wish sometimes how I sat in the bleachers because the roll calls were pretty cool and just that bleacher atmosphere is definitely different than what I'm used to at Wrigley um they're both kind of up there and like energy and definitely um the good vibes are there but they have their differences in ways so kind of wish I did sit in the bleachers but ultimately I loved my seats I think I got a great view of everything so in essence, the game was fantastic. Stanton hit a home run. Uh, DJ, or no, Josh Donaldson hit a home run. Um, starting pitching was great. Wandy Peralta shoved per usual. So honestly, really good game. And then I am a Jack Peterson fan just because loved him on the Cubs, loved him in Atlanta. Um, now that he's with the Giants, bittersweet. But he hit a home run. I mean such an underrated player for sure I feel like nobody really talks about Jock I think he would be perfect on the Yankees I think he has that like Yankees what's it called like attitude or kind of vibe to him but anyways I do think he has a very underrated player just because there is a lot of swing and miss with him but the power is insane so eh um, but yeah, game was pretty good. I loved getting to see the roll calls in person. Judges kind of guardy thing that he did. I mean, come on, you couldn't get enough of that. Volpe, his reaction to everything. Love the roll calls. Um, but yeah, and I think it was pretty cool to, pretty cool experience to see, um, in person, especially that being my first Yankee game. And I loved it. I think everything about it was really good. The Yankees did end up losing. It was a pretty back and forth game the whole entire time. The Yankees had lead, then the Giants caught up. Giants had the lead. Yankees caught up. It was a whole big thing. Ultimately, the Yankees couldn't catch up by the ninth inning, and they were losing by quite a large margin. But anyways, it was a good game um, in the rain for the bottom of the ninth inning. It started to rain, and a lot of people were leaving, and it was really windy. It was kind of hectic, but it was a pretty cool environment. And actually at the bottom of the ninth inning, I got to meet Jake Storielli from John Boy Media, which was so cool. I nearly cried. I was freaking out. I was like, no way. This is so awesome. He said hi to my family and I, and we talked. We watched the bottom of the ninth inning together, which was so cool. And definitely a moment I will cherish forever because that's probably one of the greatest moments of my life. Like, watching a Yankees game with Jake at Yankee Stadium in New York and it was intense too because it was during that review replay call if um, the runner was safe at first or not and ultimately he was not safe but um, just getting to experience that was so cool such a great personality such a great person um, also got to meet BBD at the train station which was crazy but great people love the company I've been a fan forever so that was something really cool that happened and probably the best part of my trip. Um, but yeah, that was amazing. Um, but yeah, so then after the game, we rode the train home. Somebody did puke on the train, which 
did ruin half of my trip because I was not hungry after that but (laughs) New York things you know it's all about the experience and then left the next morning but ultimately it was a great opening weekend I think um the New York atmosphere is just so different than Chicago obviously two major big cities with large sports fan bases but the differences and similarities are really cool to notice especially in person but yeah ultimately great experience love opening weekend Moving on to my favorite segment and the segment that is coming back, the hit or miss. So if you were not here last year for this, I do a segment at the end of each episode highlighting the team that was really a good hit and did well, performed well, looked pretty good in the short time. And the team who missed and who just did not make the cut and just didn't look too good needs to start picking it up. What the heck is going on? So let's start off with the hit team, the Texas Rangers. They're underestimated. Yes, they are currently undefeated. Maybe a little bit biased because they are undefeated, but they're undefeated for a reason. The team is currently batting 343 with an OPS plus of 162. A combined ERA of 3.67, a little bit shaky, but hey, we can work with that because the hitters are hitting, and they do have the stars. They have Seager, they have Simeon, but they also have Garver, a guy that you're going to probably hear about a lot this season, and so far, they've been a fantastic team against a Phillies team who was in the World Series last year, even with the new additions. They've beaten them. I think the Texas Rangers is some team that you're going to have to look out for maybe sneaky good maybe they're off to a hot start and that's just that but either way they're the hit team for this episode moving on piggybacking off of that literally the miss team the philadelphia phillies what the heck is going on they are not looking good so far for a team who was in the world series last year and they didn't lose any or many of their players except for like gene segura and that's really about it. I mean, it really didn't do a lot of damage. You were hoping that it didn't, but this team has not performed well. They have not won a single game this season, and something's going on. Don't know what it is. They need to figure out the left field situation because it's currently not looking too great. Offensively, Caven Harrison cannot provide much on the offensive side. Maybe the defense is there, but on paper, it's not looking too good. So that needs to get figured out ASAP. We are waiting for Bryce in order to shift everybody over. But I mean, the timeline on that is not really something in the let's that's gonna make an impact now. You gotta do good in April. And he may be back in April. Don't know yet, but that's something that needs to be figured out. And I don't know. I don't know. They're doing pretty they're doing okay. Like, for the most part, Trey Turner's hitting. Nick Castellanos is doing pretty good. Um, With the injury with Reese Hoskins, definitely a big setback. But on paper, the hitters are looking pretty good for the most part. But for some reason, it's just not adding up. I don't know if this Rangers team just kind of took them for a toll. And maybe it's just a short little stint. But need to get back on top of it. The pitching has been a little bit rocky, a little bit shaky. Definitely with your guys, Aaron Nola, Zach Wheeler, who are not pitching like what they're known for pitching. So 
something that definitely needs to get figured out. That is the Miss Team for this episode. I honestly won't be surprised if this is the only time they're the Miss Team. So, I don't think they're going to be back here again. Maybe it's just a shaky start, rough start. They're going to get back on top of it because they got the good players and Bryce is coming back soon. So, should be excited for that. Do miss Reese Hoskins though. But anyways, that is the hit or miss teams for this week's episode. And that concludes our episode. Another episode will be out on Thursday and I'm super excited to talk about that one. But anyways, thank you guys again so much for listening and you will hear from me on Thursday.